Hey folks, I'm Bernice Chow, host of Asians in Advertising, a podcast where we talk about challenges Asians face in their daily lives and in their career. Today we have Susan Lee Colby, co-founder and co-chief creative officer of Grace Creative. Welcome, Susan. I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us about your journey in copywriting? Um, yeah, I think maybe it started back in sixth grade when I won a creative writing contest and I felt like, hey, this might be something I'm actually good at. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I went off to college and I went to UC Davis and studied East Asian studies, which, you know, was very interesting to me. Um, but I also realized that there weren't a lot of opportunities to do anything with that degree other than going to business school. And as I researched it, I, I realized that I wasn't really that interested in the numbers side of business school. And so I think I worked, uh, I got a job at Daily in San Francisco in PR. And that was really wonderful because they had a lot of accounts that were based in Asia. And so I got to travel to the Philippines, to Malaysia. I got to spend a lot of time in Asia. But at the same time, I realized that it looked like all the people in the creative department were having a lot more fun. So that piqued my interest in creative. And then at a certain point, because, you know, I grew up in San Francisco among a very established extended family, but I was always the one who, I guess you would call it the black sheep, the one who always wanted to do things differently. I decided, okay, this is feeling a little too limiting. I'm going to move to Los Angeles. And so I decided to move to L.A., and I had a friend who worked at the L.A. office in, at Daily, and she said, why don't you come down here and, you know, why don't you think about working on, in the creative end at an agency? And so I came down here, moved down here, and worked. actually got a job at The Limited in retail <laughs> while I went to Ad Center, and then I put a portfolio together, and then I got my first job. That's incredible. So you are the co-founder of Grace Creative. Can you tell us how you founded it? About seven years ago, I was working freelance with um, my friend Kathy Shogren. And Kathy and I had met years ago when we were the only two female creatives at Delafamina. And, you know, we quickly bonded over that and stayed friends throughout the years. And then we were working freelance. She had been at Disney working at Disney Consumer Products. I had done a number of different things. I freelanced for a while, and then I started my own business called Crazy Cat Lady. And then I went back to freelance and also doing marketing for private schools because that's where my daughters were. And then at a certain point, we started doing projects again together. And I don't know, one day I was just driving, and I kind of had this epiphany. It was like, why aren't we talking to us, women over 50, that... There, here's this huge opportunity. We're making all the buying decisions. And, you know, it's not showing anywhere. It's not reflected anywhere in the advertising we're seeing. So unless any time they showed women over 50, it was like for incontinence or for wrinkle creams. or And even for wrinkle creams, they were showing women in their 30s or 40s. <laughs> so that just didn't make sense to us. And it wasn't being reflected authentically the way that women over 50 were being uh, portrayed in media and culture was pretty much like your life is over after 50. And it just is not the case. It just didn't look like anybody we knew. So 
I just kind of had this epiphany. I called Kathy and I said, I have a manifesto. And she <laughs> said, what? And I just rattled this thing off to her that was, you know, out of my head. And she was like, oh, my God. And then she just said, you're crazy, but let's do it. So that's, that's how we started it. How did you come up with the name of the agency? So it was interesting because um, that was the first thing, obviously, that we talked about. And we landed on Grace because we feel like it expresses what we hope to have grown into by a certain age at a certain point. And so what that means to us like, is in terms of, you know, we say on our website, no one here is named Grace, but what we bring to the office every day is a sense of humor and resilience and and kindness and acceptance um, and just a maturity where you realize that you're all partners on the same team and including with your clients because I think, you know, early on in advertising, sometimes the client tends to be the enemy. And I think you get to a certain point when you realize that you're there to help them. Um, And so you need to you get a lot farther by having a desire to be on the same team with them. And I think you do better work that way because because they understand that you're not there to fight with them or judge them, but you're there to help them. Um, and that doesn't mean that you just do anything they say because they've also hired you for your expertise. And so if you're able to offer that in a way that they understand that you're coming from a good place, that that takes you a lot farther. And I think sometimes that takes a certain amount of grace to get to that point. Absolutely. Can you tell us what projects you're working on or anything cool? You know, we recently just won a ultra-luxury cruise account called Seaborn, and we were really excited about that because... You know, one of the insights that we brought to the pitch was that women are the primary travel decision makers. Women over 50 are the primary travel decision makers when it comes to luxury travel. And so if if that's the case, you ha- it's helpful to speak to what drives that audience, right? So there was a recognition of that. Um, that by including that perspective in in the creative, that it would be a lot more resonant with the audience. So it would speak to both men and women. It was never meant to be. We weren't approaching it from the standpoint that this is the cruise line for women over 50. It was more like if you understand and include the perspective and the desires and you know, um, what resonates with the the primary decision makers, that that'll make a big difference. And so we were thrilled um, when they recognized that and and went with our campaign, which is called This Is Your Moment. So in some ways, it's all about how, you know, for people who have been working their entire lives or, you know, have just done a lot by this, this point, that this now is your moment in life to go off and and pursue your passions. And so it was very different in the sense that, you know, I think um, a lot of the stereotype about cruising that has, um, that people have is that, 
you know, you retire and you go on a cruise and you sit there and you, your life, you read a book and your life is over. And so this was more um, from understanding that this is the point of your life where it's just beginning, where you actually now have, you know, more of the resources and the time and the desire and the, the understanding to pursue your passions. And so we framed it through that. And I think we feel really proud and excited about that. And it's, it's really been resonating with the audience. I saw that piece. It's really amazing. It made me go, oh, just a couple more years until my <laughs> kids are out and I get to go out and live life. So it was really beautifully done. There aren't that many agency owners that are female, let alone being Asian female. What has it been like being a trailblazer in this area? I don't know if I feel like a trailblazer, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, I think, you know, again, it's just when I look back at my career, I think I've always just kind of delighted in doing things differently. And so it just feels natural. It feels like it's just another piece of that. And that's kind of, you know, what keeps me going is looking at things and going, okay, this, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. Or, you know, I don't have to accept that. And finding, and then just going off and trying to find a way to do it. That's incredible. I only know two CCO Asian women out there. And that's pretty incredible how small that number is. And so to be brave enough to start your own agency and you're just like, it just happened. That's so inspiring. Um, Is there anything for people listening that want to start their own agency that they need to know? Um, It's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's really consuming. You have to be prepared to do everything. You sh- that doesn't mean you should do everything because, you know, you need to recognize what you're good at and then... But you have to understand everything so that you can have other people help you. I think that's the biggest thing. And as a creative, you know, you have to realize that um, you can't just stay in that lane. You kind of have to understand how everything needs to work together. I think it's rewarding in the sense that you get to do things your way in the sense that if you have a vision for something or if if you're trying to change the conversation about something or to change something you know about the way things are done then you you can do that i mean you don't have to go, you don't have to go to anybody to do that absolutely so you're a part of the own it initiative yes can you tell us more about what that is Yes, so that was started by um, a woman named Christy Heiler, who has an, uh, owns an agency in Kentucky called um, Cornette, and by Jean Freeman at Sambezi. And it's really to help other women own agencies because I think that what it comes down to is that you know, for a lot of women, if you want to have agency, you have to have your own agency, basically. And what we're trying to find out through this initiative in the beginning is just how many women out there are there out there who own their agencies. So if you go onto the website, that's that's the information that we're looking for there is, you know, just fill it out and tell us about yourselves. And so that we can then take that information and see how we can support 
so that more women can do that. And to look at the reasons why, why aren't there more women, it's less than 1% of the agencies in North America are owned by women. And, you know, is that because of resources, because women don't make as much as men, because there's less mentoring in that area? So I think it's really important. That's incredible. I can't wait to see what happens with all that data and what the next step is. I did go to see there was a, quite a bit when I saw. I was actually really impressed by that. But definitely, we can always use more. Yeah. Tell us about your Asian background. I was born and raised in San Francisco. My grandfather was a, a big uh, figure in the community in Chinatown. He had a, Our family had a pretty um, well-known bakery called Eastern Bakery that we sold. My parents sold it when they were in their 60s, I guess. Being Asian was, you know, kind of our religion, I guess, in a way. It's like people ask me what my religion is, and it's sort of like, well, my religion is being Asian, (laughs) because that's kind of how we were brought up. Everything was around the family. And so, you know, again, we talked about this, about our parents not knowing what we were doing. Creative fields weren't really part of that. In the generation that I grew up in, my parents just really wanted me to be a teacher or something that had a pension, which we know nobody gets pensions anymore. (laughs) But they've always been very supportive of what I've been doing. So earlier you were talking about how at Shiat you were the only woman. And I'm sure you were even one of the only Asian women on top of that. Yeah. How did that affect your career? Well, I wasn't the only woman in creative at the time. And, And there were some really famous women before me who worked at Shia, very senior women, um, who worked on Apple. Uh, But my partner also was a woman, but she was not Asian. So I was the only Asian woman in creative at the time. I'm sure it affected my career. I mean, at the time, I, I don't know how much I really thought about it. It was a matter of having to I think at the time I felt like I had to kind of blend in in the sense that it was a boys club so you kind of had to act like one of the boys and my husband was just saying well it wasn't that hard for me because my family has a very sarcastic (laughs) my family has a very sarcastic sense of humor and um, my extended family and we make fun of each other all the time so it wasn't that hard to to give shit back to people because I was used to doing that and it was fun and I could be as gross as they were but I think but looking back on it in retrospect I'm sure that it it had to affect my career trajectory because I don't know how seriously they took me especially as a you know the first junior team I don't know how easy it was for them to think of me outside of that and then probably being an Asian woman on top of that. I think they were very kind of big brotherish to me, and like they were very protective in some ways, but it wasn't equal. I definitely see that happening a lot, even with promotions. It's like, oh, we're watching out for you, we're taking care of you, but do you see us as the next leader? And that ascension is really different. Yes, yes. And so, and, and if you think about it in that sense, like having kind of that, big brother mentality already puts you in a position of power over somebody. Exactly. No, I definitely struggled with that in a lot of my career where I was like, okay, no, I am a leader. I 
I know I'm a smallish Asian right. woman. Right. Maybe I look a bit younger, but I'm talented too. And I can speak well. Right. And it was always like really impressing on them that it's like, no, I, that next level, I'm overdue or I'm seeing my counterparts, my peers kind of get out promoted sometimes and just really making sure that I'm asserting that next level. Yeah. But you're good because you're, you're sticking with it. I think at the time I felt like I had to, in order to advance, then you had to leave. There's always been very defined rules, I guess, about what it, what a leader looks like. So that's what needs to change. Absolutely. I mean, I always say I've never worked for a minority woman. I've worked for one white woman, and that's it. The rest were all men. There's been some diversity in the men casting, but never a woman that looked like me who went through the same struggles as me. And so there's a lot of times where I would say I have a problem with something or I'm not getting access to something, mm-hmm. like a, a, the best briefs. And they'll be like, well, it'll come naturally. And I'm like, no, there's some favoritism that happens there. And that happens over time and it's cumulative. So if you don't collect that hardware when you're that junior that gets to go along with the CCO because you're on the same football team or go to the same alma mater, right, you right. don't get to be put on the best stuff. And so I was like, there's kind of these incremental consequences that happen. And this is, I feel like this is actually across all creative women, maybe not just Asian women, maybe. Oh, yeah. I think that that's true for sure. I I don't think it's, um, it's limited to being Asian. Absolutely. I feel like in the creative department, we have a long way to go with casting. Yeah, I agree. How do you feel you are making a difference in your leadership position? I'm hoping that we're changing the conversation about age and the idea that you age out. I think that one of the biggest misconceptions is that you get less creative, and science is actually proving that you get more creative in your 50s. So I think that we need to stop putting labels on everything and stop accepting labels and stop accepting those limitations And because when we do that, it stops us from doing new things, and I think that we should always keep growing. 100%. I love that you're like, people actually get older and more creative. If you could give one last piece of advice, what would it be? It would be to really own your differences. I think that is the big thing. I think, you know, to me, the, the um, that's what you bring to the work. So instead of feeling other, use that to your advantage. I mean, I think, you know, it's just like in in marketing. I mean, what do we always try to do? We try to differentiate, right? So that if you look at it from that standpoint, that's what you have to bring to the work. You're differentiating. I mean, every your whole experience differentiates you from everybody else, and that's what will make the work even stronger. And so you have to just really realize that that's a plus. It's not a minus. Well, that's great advice. And I just want to say thank you again so much for coming today. It was such a pleasure to see you today. Thank you for joining us today. And if you're interested in learning more about Asians in Advertising, visit AsiansinAdvertising.com. And we'd really appreciate if you can rate, review, or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. See you in two weeks for an episode with Susie Bao.